Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you doing there, mate? I'm doing pretty well. It's a late night podcast, so this is going to be fun. Yeah, you're either going to fall asleep halfway through or you're just going to go off your nut and not remember in the morning. Yeah, I'll wake up and I'll probably like have messages saying, do you realise what you said and things like that? And I'll be like, oh, it wasn't that bad, was it? And then, Pod- Podcasters regret. Yeah, yeah, podcasters regret. Well, we haven't had one yet, have we? I don't think we have. Well... I suppose the tail end of the last episode was a bit, <laughs> how you going? <laughs> <laughs> I stand by the fact I would still eat domestic cat. Let's continue. <laughs> continue <laughs> before we go down that rabbit hole a bit further. <laughs> um, today we decided we're going to have a look at um, the youth of the game. Mm. And we're going to have a look at the young stars of today, all the players who are aged under the age of 24, and who would make a... Um, best of 17, I guess, out of those players. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to compare them to a side from the past, which will be a little cherry on the top of the end, and we'll have a little chat and see who we think would come out on top. Yeah, yeah, and this was really interesting because once we started this process, we couldn't believe the players that were ending up in this team that we put together because there is so much talent and so many stars and like legitimate out-and-out stars of the game. That's exactly right. And one thing we noticed too, after looking at the the historical team that we're going to bring up later, is we don't know which of the players that we've admitted from this team are going to go on to become outright superstars in their own right as well. Yeah, that was crazy to think about, that there's players that we're not even thinking of right now who they're going to be like legends of the game, which is so cool to think about and uh, to know that... like. Rugby league's always had that ability to... Or there's always somebody ready to come along and just just kill it. It's fantastic. It's one of the great things about rugby league in that whenever you see a young bloke debut in first grade, he might be your club's next legend, and that's always really exciting. Yeah, it's, that's a great thing. You never know when they're coming along. Mm, so mm. without any further ado, let, let's hook into the uh, the 2019 side. And at yep, fullback, yep. We've, we've settled on Kalen Ponga. Yeah, it's hard to go past him at fullback. I mean, especially this year, he's been fantastic for Newcastle and he's really playing that role of being a playmaker from the back as well, which is, I mean, it's something that normally fullbacks take a few more years to uh, to do and he's doing it already at the age of 21. It's kind of extraordinary. It's amazing how composed he is. Like, so mm. relaxed. Everything's just, he just takes it all in his stride. Um that's the thing that gets me the most about him. And, you know, being in that Newcastle side, having all that responsibility, all that pressure, um, especially from the media, given that he signed that massive deal after playing a handful of games. Yeah. Um, he's proven to Newcastle that he deserved that money and probably more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a, right now he's a bargain for the Knights. Um, and, man, he's going to be so wealthy when he gets his next deal, eh? He's going to get so much money. He's phenomenal. And he's played 41 club games already and three Origins. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to say he can't be far off a test call-up soon. Yeah, like, I mean, you, you, even if you just chucked him in on the wing, 
and just got him out there to play footy. You could even have him off the bench as well. I mean, he did that for, for Queensland and played really well. So, yeah, I, I, you'd want him in the side as soon as possible, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, on the wing, we've got Suliasi Vunavalu. Mm-hmm. Um, powerful. Fijian. We, we like a big, powerful Fijian. They all the wingers should be Fijian. I think it should be the second law of the game. Like it should say in the rule book, the game will be played by 13 players and all of the wingers will be Fijian. <laughs> like, and he's fantastic. His try scoring record is like he's on track to be one of the top five try scorers of all time, um, which is absolutely unbelievable. That's, um, I mean, he's a statistical outlier in that sense. A big dude. He's only going to get better as well. Like, I don't think he's filled out physically yet. I think that he's still got some growing to do, hey? Yeah, he is big. The thing I like about him, he's big and angry. You don't get too many of those wingers from Fiji who are big and angry. Yeah, the thing I love about Fijian wingers is that, like, instead of of running for the gap, they run at the player. Mm. (laughs) It's fantastic. It's great. But they they'll like they'll run over you and monster you, and then they'll walk back yeah. smiling and they'll apologise and they're all friendly. But not Vunavali, he'll walk past and he'll snarl at you. <laughs> it's, I like uh, that better. This it's, uh, it's the storm, man. They can find a play, can't they? Oh, of course they can, absolutely. Now uh, in the centres we've got uh, Latrell Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played 80, 86 club games, four Origins, and already got two tests under his belt. Yeah, that's amazing. And his goal-kicking record means he's got a lot of points already as well and got a lot of tries as well. Um, He's going to end up, if he keeps just, if he just has average point scoring seasons from now on, he's going to be up there with the top point scorers in the game's history just because he started, you know, at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, he's got 58 tries from 87 games and... Currently sitting on 583 career points just in club level. It's incredible. It's it's absolutely incredible. It's weird when you see him kicking the goals, hey, because you realise like what an asset he is to a team that he can break a game open, but then he can go on and, and kick the goals as well. It's uh, it's fantastic <clears throat> for the Roosters. Oh, yeah, he's phenomenal. Um, the other centre is Bronson Cherry, 18 years old. He's only played 13 games. Yeah, and a, a pure game-breaker. Like one of the, he reminds me a little bit of a younger Michael Jennings in that it it doesn't matter what the situation is. If he gets the ball in his hands, he might score a try from anywhere on the field, flat footed. It doesn't really matter, you know, Um, and there's not too many players like that. And he's exactly what the Sharks needed. He got that explosive pace off the start, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, and he's gone and that's it. It's all over. Um, Really fantastic like find for the for the sharkies um you'd think that he's going to end up being in in blues calculation pretty soon as well like he hasn't played that many first grade games but once he he gets little bits of his game sorted out like gets the defensive reads and all that sorted out he, he'll end up playing for new south wales undoubtedly now um on the other wing we've got mainly fullback tom trebojevic who's only 22 um, already played 82 club games, five origins and four tests. Yeah, and plays like a 30-year-old, like so composed. Um, the weird thing about him is that, and it's something that a lot of backs can't do, he can he can take like four weeks out of the game through injury or something 
and then come back in and just hit the ground running like he's in top form. It's really kind of weird that he can do that. And just an absolutely powerful, dynamic ball runner for a bloke who looks fairly slight as well. Yeah, he really does. He's uh he's very different build from his brother Jake. Um, and yeah, he, he sort of looks like somebody that should be getting monstered in the NRL, but it's the complete opposite. Like he overpowers so many players. Um, it's very strange to see him. He must be just so naturally physically strong. Yeah. Um, got that really unique running style, but the other good thing about him is he can play it on the wing. And I mean, as we saw in origin, he's, he's capable at center as well. Yeah, like I mean, he's he's one of the best, I think, fullbacks, centers, and wingers. Like he he just is one of those super reliable players that they come along every so often. Like the Morris brothers, I always felt were like that. You could mm. pick them in pretty much any rep team, and you always knew that you were going to get a top class performance out of them. Um, and he feels like one of those sorts of players to me. Absolutely. Now, uh, five-eighth, we've got Brody Croft from the Storm. Uh, he's played 33 club games. He's sort of a little bit of a late bloomer, I guess, but, um, geez, he's come along in leaps and bounds this year. Yeah, and it, like, it, the thing about him is his game is so steady, and it's it's the typical sort of Melbourne Storm thing of, like, he's been given a job to do, and he's just doing it, and he's doing it really well for the top club in the NRL. Um, we're playing him, at, he's a halfback for the Storm. We've got him at five-eighth. Uh, but yeah, he's just, he's fantastic. I love watching him play. And when he runs the ball, when he, like he hasn't ran the ball too much in his career, when he starts running the ball, I think that's when he's going to take his game to another level because every so often he will run it and he's really dangerous. And if he learns when to pick his, pick his spots, um, I mean, can you imagine him and Munster both as ball running, you know, halves, oh, it's horror show. How do you stop him? It just, that's the thing. You'd end up needing four defenders on those two players, and then you just think of all the unmarked players outside them. Yeah, yeah, and incredible. They've, they've got the, and they've got the ball skills to, you know, capitalise on those shortages as well in the defensive line. It's an absolute freakish combination to think about. Yeah, and like I feel like with Croft too, he seems <clears> like he's going to be, like with all of these great players that leave the Storm, it feels like that Croft is going to be the next player in line that is going to sort of lead forward the dynasty with him and Munster sort of thing. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if in 10 years' time, Croft is still partnered up with Munster at the Storm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, halfback, we've got, um, to me, this is a no-brainer, Nathan Cleary. 71 club games, five origins. Um, it can't be long before he's in line for a uh, a test call-up. Yeah, and uh, an amazing goal kicker as well. Um, had a bit of a form slump earlier in the year, but once you know, comes back for the Panthers and it's just just playing great again. His defense is absolutely unbelievable for a young halfback. Like he's, I, he might be, it's like him and Johns as the best uh, young defensive halfbacks I've ever seen. And just, you know, I, I mean, people bag him a lot. I am so glad that the Panthers have him locked up. Yeah, look, he's not one of those players who I think of as being a flashy seven. No. But at the same time, he's he's getting better at being consistently solid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his defense is the thing that gets me about his defense is the technique's good, but the reading of the defense is the one thing that's really good because it's not just knowing where to be at the right time, but it's also 
knowing when to call the defence across to help out on one side or not. He's really good defensive reader. Yeah, and the other thing is too, like as a 21-year-old halfback, he never gets overpowered. Like you never see him like thrown to the side in a tackle or anything like that. He's always right there in the contest and you just don't see that very often at all. And, he, and it's consistent. It's who he is as a player. And yeah, like I, as I said, I'm I'm so happy that he's a Panthers player and that they've locked him up for a long time because he, he he's just a fantastic player. And he, as he learns the game, I mean, he's he's years away from being at his peak. You know, it, it's kind of crazy to think how good he could end up being. Yeah, well, I mean, if Matthew Johns is to believe, he's nine years away from his peak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. That's a long Johnson. way to go. Yes. Uh, someone who's further away from the peak is Payne Haas. He's only 19. 19. It's crazy. And he's, he's like only, a he's a giant. Yeah, he's, he's only played 15 NRL games and already been in origin. Yeah, and like I would have him in my test side just for the size of him. You know, he's he's absolutely massive. He's a fantastic athlete. He can play a lot of minutes. His go forward is absolutely incredible. Um, he overpowers forwards at 19. Like, he overpowers entire defensive packs at 19 years old. Um, it's kind of incredible. And, like, he, it, there's, I mean, if he continues to improve, he could. I know this is a big call. He'll be getting close towards that Talmalolo level where. He's just racking up these giant meters, and just teams can't stop him. It's weird. It's. I was going to ask you. Yeah. um, Do you think Tomalolo at nineteen was better than Haas right now? Uh, No, I don't think so. That's the scary thing for me. Yeah. I I agree. I think Haas is leaps and bounds ahead of Tomalolo at the same age. Yeah. And I mean, you and me, I mean, and we'll talk, we, we want to do a whole podcast on Tom Alolo. Like, we can't hold him in any higher stead. Like, we think he is just the best. And so to be, for us to both say that, I mean, it is, it's scary. He could be, he could be anything. He might be the best forward in the game for the next 15 years. If he just, if he can improves, you know? Yeah. I mean, all he's got to work on really is he's, uh, his minutes, and his minutes aren't bad now. Mm. But if he can get them up, if he can start playing an extra 10 or 15 minutes every week, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and it, uh, like his strength right now is so good for a 19-year-old. Like when he's 28, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. All right, he's, he's phenomenal. Um, another player we both rate highly at hooker, Brandon Smith. Ah, oh, I love watching him play. So, hey. so, so good is this kid. He's a genuine hooker. That he, He's the first... First choice hooker for for the New Zealand Test side now, yet he plays at lock for his club team, and he's probably undersized for a lock. But the way that he plays the game, like he smashes everyone in defence, and when he runs the ball, you can just see he's a problem. Every single time he runs the ball, he's a problem because he's just so powerful. This is right, and he's such a um, he's such a. Uh, dogged fighter as well like he mm. he fights for every meter he, he fights in every tackle mm. um just yeah you you just that's just something you can't train in a player 
No, and like when when Smith does eventually retire, he's just going to slot right in there at uh, at hooker. And I like it's incredible the way they use him because a lot of teams they could have messed it up. The Storm obviously haven't, and they get so much out of him right now playing out of position. He, but he's just such a quality player. I mean, you can do that with someone like him. Yeah, I mean, essentially what they're, in my view, anyway, what they're doing is they've got him at lock purely to work on his defence because he's defending in the middle still. Yeah. It's just to get him all used to that structure, be in the right place. He'll get used to doing the workload in defence. Um, and he's learning, obviously, um, ball running as well. Yeah, so, and he, like he's... It's it's incredible to me. Like he reminds me a little bit of someone like Lincoln Withers in that he just hits so much bigger than he is. Yeah, like he yeah. hits like a truck. It's crazy. Yeah. Pound for pound, he is one of the biggest hitters in the game, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, he's... Uh... At, at prop, we've got his Melbourne Storm teammate, Nelson Asafasolomona. Um, he's played 93 club games. He's 23 years old and six tests already. That's um, crazy, hey? He's a, just a, another giant human. Yeah, and it's like the, like the Melbourne Storm are just able to produce these players that straight out of the box, they're just first-grade players. They know their role. They get their job done. Like and and he does it without any fanfare, you know. There's you know there's not like everyone going, oh look at this kid, look at this kid. He, he just gets the job done every single week and like so much experience already. That's incredible yeah. that he's played that many first grade games. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you think about it, he's he's gonna get he's gonna get to a hundred this year. Yeah, and he's right. tw- and he'll be twenty three. Twenty three with a hundred, so he could be. Could be close to having 200 games on his belt at the age of 27. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he could have 330, 31. That, that total of 400. To yeah, and that that 400 by Cameron Smith is well under threat just with his kid alone. Yeah, and it it's crazy to think how, you know, with the the way that uh, they're looking after players now into and knowing how much training they should do, how not to overtrain players to get the best out of them, to get the most games out of them. Um, that 400 game barrier is going to be broken by a lot of players that we're seeing right now in this list, even. Yeah. Um, next in second row, we've got David Fafita, another 19 year old. Uh, he's played 26 games for the Broncos and three origins already. Yeah. And, and another one that, when you look at him, it's crazy to think that he's only, I mean, he's a teenager. It's so crazy. And he's so good. Like you can, you can see that he hasn't got that consistency yet in his game, but you wouldn't expect that from someone that's 19. And when he, when he does get one of those games where he just comes out and he just hits the ground running, like he's almost unstoppable. Yeah. He's uh boy and and to think he's he's still working on parts of his game and he's already playing origin just think how much more skilled and talented this kid's going to get uh jesus christ yeah when he like when he starts working on things like his work rate and defense and things like that um like right now just straight away he's already one of the best you know hard running second rows in game yeah it's it's incredible 19 19. It baffles me how kids can be this big at 19. Yeah, I know I wasn't. I still am not. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
pairing with him in the second row is his teammates at, at the Broncos, Tavita Pangai Jr. Um, God, that kid's just a, a ball of muscle. Yeah, and like the weird thing is, of all of these players, he might be, he might have the ability to be the best all round forward that we're going to have here, which is kind of crazy to think about. Like mm. he could have the work rate and just like the footwork, and you know, it, it, he's he's so like I rate him so highly. I I've I've like love watching him play. He's had a few games this year where he hasn't played his best, but I think you've got to expect that from a young forward. Like you've got to let them have those games because like he's, they're not anywhere near at like at 23 years of age, he's not anywhere near his peak. He's still learning how to be a forward. He's still learning what you've got to do to get up every week for a game. That's right. I mean, he had a one game early this year where he just dominated. Hmm. Um, I think it was bef- the week before they played the Cowboys because everyone was expecting this huge clash between him and, and Tom Alolo. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, Pangai didn't get up for that one, unfortunately, and Tom Lolo just showed him how it was done. Mm. But, yeah, if he can pull out those massive performances like that week in, week out, um, he, he'll be at Tom Lolo levels. Yeah, and, and like, as you say, completely unstoppable. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter what you do. He's going to do whatever he wants to do, and that's that's incredible. And for the, I mean, and the next one is another Bronco. Yeah, uh, yeah, lock Joe Offerhangawi, uh, twenty three years old. He's played eighty three games already, two uh, State of Origin games and five internationals. Yeah, and would have played three State of Origin games if not for that terrible cut in his leg that he suffered. Yeah. Um, the thing about that about him that that gets me is he seems to he plays like a much more mature forward like he he seems to know when to settle the plane just get some go forward going and he never loses his head or anything like that he's just such a steady player yeah and i think the broncos have made the right decision too to hang on to him and let mcguire go because mm. i find that often gowie is proving to be much better than Maguire right now. Maguire's just got too much of that niggly crap in his game today. Mm. I think Gowie just doesn't have any of that. He just sits there. And the other thing about him is he's a hard worker. He just does all that toil. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 really strange to see somebody that young who, you know, they, I mean, he's one of their settlers in that Broncos pack. He was one of the settling forwards in the, in the Queensland team, which was kind of crazy, and they really missed him in that game that he missed in game two. Um, fantastic player. And for the Broncos to have all of those forwards, like those three forwards, who, like in 10 years' time, they're still going to be pretty a pretty young age, you know. They're still going to be early 30s. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. They're, they're so lucky. I really hope they keep them all together, hey? Yeah, they've got an unbelievable forward pack there. Mm. Yeah, we've we've named four of them just in that pack there, along with along with Payne Haas. Um, my goodness, there's there's no there's no problem with that Broncos forward pack for the next decade at least if they can keep more together. Yeah, that, that's a dominant dominant pack. Doesn't matter who the other two players are. They Those could be an all time dominant pack. Oh yeah, like that, and even right now, you take them right now, they they'd be one of the best packs in the comp. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, on the bench, your favourite player at the moment, Victor Radley. 
Yeah, yeah, he's uh I love the way he plays. He plays above his weight. He's another one. He's like Brandon Smith. Like he Very just much. smashes people and he's 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 probably He's a bit taller than Brandon Smith, but that's not too difficult. Um, but, yeah, they're very similar players in a lot of ways, hey? They are, very much so, because Bradley's also played plenty of time at lock as well this year. Mm. It's almost like those two are sort of progressing at the same time with their, their skill sets, the way they're developing. There's so much similarity between the two. I'd probably say that Bradley looks to have a little bit more ball skill on him, mm-hmm. but Brandon Smith looks to be a little bit of a better ball runner. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how the two come, you know, go about their careers. I guess as the, as the as their careers go on, and they're they're set to have just a ton of great clashes for the next decade. Yeah, and like the other thing is too, I think Brandon Smith, you know, his future is at hooker, whereas somebody like Radley, like I feel as though he might be heading towards the hooker role, and he probably will now that. Uh, that uh, the Roosters hooker has a he's got a bit of an arm injury again, yeah. um, Jake Friend. So he probably is going to end up back at hooker, but uh, it's hard to know whether he will be a full time hooker going forward or if he will be almost take that lock position where almost like a roving lock. It's 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 a funny position that he plays because he can do so much. He's so versatile. That's exactly right. Um, he's going to be a an absolutely vital part of that that um, Roosters pack over the next few years as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, next on the bench, we've got Cameron Murray from South. Um, I think he played his 50th game this weekend, actually, in the NRL. And, Damn, what a game. Yeah, and uh, three three matches in the State of Origin this year as well. So he's already yeah. started his rep period, and he's 21. Yeah. It's, and it's funny because, like, they, they were worried about losing Crichton. And then this kid comes along, and all of a sudden, it's like they don't, you know, South fans don't care about it. Um, fantastic player. Just uh, exactly what you want out of a modern day second row. I mean, just the, the work rate, the athleticism, the footwork. Um, he's got a massive future ahead of him. And yeah, just he, uh, like. The season he's having alone this year, it's it's unbelievable. It's like it'll be a lot of players' career year he's having right now, and he's only twenty one. Exactly. And the thing I liked about him too is during Origin, um, when New South Wales got beaten that first game, and there was a whole heap of changes. He was one who they, they didn't get rid of because he he still did his job. He was unfazed by the the moment, which was. Impressive. I mean, Kalen Pong is the only one I've seen that was that unfazed about it all. And he just went out and did his job and did it well and kept his team, kept his spot on the side for all three games. Um, yeah, and just, it, like he's going to be a New South Wales forward for years to come with an attitude like that too. Yeah, he's just... Mentally, he's got he's got the right package already. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Uh, you, you love it when you see a young player come into the game and their head is in the right place above everything else. Because you've got to learn the game. You've got to, you know, learn what works, learn how to prepare yourself and all that sort of thing. But when you can do it from that sort of mindset of like, you know, you're not phased by huge stages, it, it makes it so much easier. There's the, the to reach Pardon the top me. of your game, there's such a, a lower level that you've got to get to, you know, it's you're almost there anyway. 
exactly. Oh, excuse me for that burp just happened. <laughs> <laughs> Adding a bit of class to the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, next on the bench, we've got twenty-year-old uh, Sharks half Kyle Flanagan. He's only played eight games so far, but the ones he's played this year, I think he's played five this year. The Sharks have looked better with him on the field than they have with experienced Test half Sean Johnson, who should be essentially in the prime of his career. Yeah, and I mean, you and me have said they they really should drop drop Johnson for him. They shouldn't be waiting for, for a turnaround or anything in Johnson's form because the way Flanagan straight away come out of the box and it was just a, a first grade, you know, half performance, um, was attacking the line, was running the ball, which is huge. Um, it's, there's, there's things that a lot of young halves don't do or they're hesitant to do and he just he wasn't worried about it. He just looked like a first grader straight away. It was really kind of strange to see. He's got that. Um, he's got the enthusiasm that his old man had as a player. I mean, and this is saying something because not too many people saw his old man Shane play much games. He didn't play too many, mm. but he was a really um, energetic hooker. And you just see Flanagan's always sort of popping up. He's sort of always backing up. He's always hanging around. He's always looking for the ball. You like to see that from a young guy. You don't want to see him being tentative or a bit worried or worry about their overplaying their hand or anything like that. You want to see them confident playing that way. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, I, I, th- I think the Sharks should just commit to him. Just say, look, we, we're going to have to do something about Sean Johnson. We know that. It could be an issue, but this is this kid could be running our team around this field for like the next 15 years and we've got to go with him from right now. Because right now, he's their best choice at yep. 5'8". You know, and there's just there's not any question about it. And that's a good thing about him. He can play five eight and half back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and Townsend can... really worked well with him too. That was the other thing. Yeah, they they look a lot better, which is odd because Townsend's played more footy, I'd imagine, with with um with Sean Johnson, given he spent two or three years with the Warriors over there. Yeah, but yeah. he just looks to have clicked better with Flanagan. So yeah, it's much funny. Better. It's funny how different situations in there's, you know, on paper it should have worked with Johnson and it just hasn't. It's weird. Mm. Uh, the last player on the bench we've got here is Tamere Martin. Mm. Uh, 23 years old. He's played 55 club games and four internationals as, re- as well already. Yeah, and he's one of those players, and I said this to you earlier, he, he feels to me like he should be about 26 years old. I mean, he's had so much experience. He's played at a number of clubs now. The, the other thing is, too, like, I don't think any of the clubs really wanted to lose him. I think that all of them kind of would have loved to have held on to him, but just knew they couldn't. Um, and, you know, the only the only thing that is a worry is he had that brain bleed earlier in the year. Mm. Um, and you, you have to see how he comes back from that. But he's a fantastic player. He's very versatile. He can play 5'8". Um, he's playing at uh, fullback for the for the Cowboys, and just so skillful. And he, he's he's got that ability to break a game open as well. And you know, if he can just get some consistency in his game, he's going to move up towards those elite fullbacks. Absolutely. Um, I, I just like the fact that he was so composed in the um, post Thurston period. Because mm. he'd spent most of his time at the Cowboys before that partnering, uh, partnering Thurston in the halves, and then it was mm-hmm. 
filling in at fullback and sort of moving around a bit. And he's never really had an opportunity to nail down a spot. Yeah. Um, and even despite that, he still looked right at home playing in the NRL. And I just think if he gets one full season injury-free where he just gets told, right, this is your position, you stay in there all year, uh, I think that will be the biggest thing that will help his career in a long way. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, we've seen him. He can put in man-of-the-match performances. And to be able to say he can do that and he's already 20, you know, he's only 23, um, that's outstanding. And, yeah. it, you know, they, I, I wonder where they will bring him back uh, when they do for the Cowboys, whether they will bring him back in the halves or, you know, I, I think that they like um, young daylight at fullback at the moment. But, you drink know, water. I, I drink water, daylight, yeah. drink water. Yeah, I knew it was one of those, you know, long worms. Um, yeah, he, he, I feel like Tamari Martin, I'd rather have him at fullback, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know. See, I, I like, I like Drinkwater at fullback because he's, he's quite nippy as well. Mm. Um, I just don't know what they do in the halves. Because yeah. I think they've got, is it Jake Connor there as well? Yeah. And he's, and, been, he's been playing really well. And, and Morgan, I mean, obviously he's your halfback. It's once again, it's embarrassment of riches. Imagine if he had to move clubs again, eh? He might come back to Penrith if Maloney leaves. Well, there you go. So um, that's our under twenty four side for 2019. They've got an average age of 21.4. They've played 888 NRL games, 26 Origin games, and 39 tests slash internationals. And you know the crazy thing about that? So much experience already. Yeah. Like, there's so many players there that are, are already seasoned professionals. Exactly. It's it's crazy. Um, let's see. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six players in that, in that squad who have played at least 70 NRL games. That's crazy. For so, such young players, like, yeah. it just shows you, like, like, you know, when you're ready, you're ready. And it's all of the age stuff. It goes out the window because you look at someone like Ponga. He's just ready. He was ready for origin. Yeah. You know, Brandon Smith, ready for test footy. I think it's, some of these guys have come in and they've been ready for origin footy straight away. I mean, we saw it with Payne Haas this year. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 14 games, bang, put him in origin. He's fine. Yeah, not a problem at all. And he's still a teenager. Oh, That's man. Crazy. It really is. So... The what we're going to do is compare him with the team from thirty years ago to see how the juniors back then stack up with the juniors today. Now, obviously, we have the benefit of hindsight for this one, mm. but we've tried to base it on who'd played the most, you know, more games, I guess, at that age to sort out career-wise. So there was a few players that missed out, say Steve Ranoff, because he'd only played a handful of first-grade games. Um, Billy Moore is another one who missed out, mm-hmm. and Kevin Walters only just he played plenty of first grade games, but he hadn't nailed down a five eight spot at that time. He's still sort of playing as a fullback at Canberra. Um, yeah, and so so we really tried to look at this as though it was nineteen ninety because like and when we first started, we're like, oh Renoff, yeah, put it straight in, but then we realised that. He he really had only he just started his first grade career, um, and it it just if it was nineteen ninety you wouldn't have put him in the side ahead of who we've selected. So yeah, go through it. Let's do it. 
All right, so this is the under-24s team from 1989. At fullback, we've got Tim Brasher, who was 18, and he played yeah. 20, 21st grade games at this stage. Yeah, and um, hard to deny him at fullback, wasn't it? Uh, he just sort of hit the ground running from the get-go, and he, he played at centre initially. Mm. Um, scrawny thing for a centre. Mm. But he was partnering up with Andy Courier, so... He didn't have too much to uh, compete against when it comes to size. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is with Brasher is that he was once again one of those plays. You pick him, and you're going to get a. You're just not ha- going to have to worry at all. And I loved that about Tim Brasher. That's what I loved about him for New South Wales. You just pick him, and and you're right. You don't have to worry about Brasher. And he was like that through his entire career. Yeah, reliable as hell. I mean. For those who don't know, he was my favourite player as a kid. Um, just love watching him play. He, he just had this nous as a fullback to be exactly where he needed to be when fielding kicks. Mm. Um, great defender close to the line, which is something he undoubtedly learnt from Gary Jack, one of the best defensive fullbacks there ever was. Mm. Um, and, yeah, he became a, a magnificent support player, which was somewhat rareish for fullbacks around that period as well. So, um, played everywhere in the back line. Played, I think he might have even played a game at seven. I don't know, but he played at five eighth. He played in the on the wing at centre at fullback. Um, just a magnificent talent. I would love to see what he would was doing at the time in terms of running meters compared to other fullbacks because I feel as though he was always one of those fullbacks that just chewed up the yardage. Like, he, he would take them, as you say, get them kicks on the full, and he would make so many more metres than other fullbacks before the the defence got to him. And he always ran it, like, 100% back. Like, he never jogged it back. He never took, you know, he never was slow about it. He was urgent with every single run back, and I used to love that about him. Yeah, I think if it was to compare him with someone um, in more recent times, when it comes to kick returns, I'd think someone like... Um, Either Carmichael Hunt or Valentine Holmes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they're not huge players, but every every kick return was at full pace. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and he did that at every level. Yeah. Um, this is a time when there was a lot of great talent at fullback too, hanging around Australia at the time. So, mm-hmm. it will. Uh, on the wing, English-born Martin Offia, or a fire. Um, he was 22. He'd already played, you know, at least 80 games by then and 10 tests. Uh, possibly regarded as one of the fastest wingers England's produced. Uh, it's it's just I don't think people I don't think younger people these days would understand the hand grenade that went off in rugby league when Offie hit the scene. Hey, like it was just it's hard to even. It's hard to even explain the the extra level he was on in terms of pace, in terms of athleticism and vision to just find the find space in the defense and chew up the yards. Yeah, he was one of those genuine superstars. Mm. Right. You had a lot of a lot of players who were stars. He was he was next level. He was, you know, a media darling as well. Um, had all the charm, all the charisma, a bit of the bravado, and he could back it all up. Um, yeah, and like I know that Wendell Saylor looked up to him a lot, 
And it's funny, a lot of the things that you see Wendell Saylor doing, he got that from, from chariots. Um, yeah. It's, it, again, I think that it's something that you said then, it, like, it's, he was a, he was like a proper superstar, like in the media, he might be one of the highest profile rugby league players in history. Which is phenomenal for bloke who was playing on the wing. Yeah, yeah. And his Just, try scoring record is like, it's like a PlayStation game. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Well, for those who don't know, there was a game he played in, I think in 1991. Um, he scored 10 tries in one game. Yeah. Ten. Uh, this bloke was just—he was next level. Yeah, and like, even even now, like as an Australian player, people know what I'm like with the English players. Martin Offia was a superstar. He was just unbelievable. And like, when you talk about all-time wingers, you got to talk about him, which is saying something. No, absolutely, I fully agree. Just um, crazy, crazy good player. Next is another great winger who is also a fullback, but probably best known for his time at centre, and that's Andrew Eddinghausen. Yeah. And he was he was 23 and 89, but by then he'd already played 134 games in just in Sydney. He'd had a few stints over in England as well. He'd played eight origins and three tests. Yeah, and just a staple, you know, already at that age. And it's funny because he, he was thought of early on in his career as like a a try scorer and that, and by the end of it, he was very much a defensive specialist. Um, fantastic play, my first favourite player ever. And Likewise. yeah, yeah, really, I didn't know that. He's um, well, I think I mentioned, I might have mentioned in the um, the episode where we did my book launch, mm-hmm. but he was the player who got me into rugby league because of his first name. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that now. Yeah, he's a. Uh, yeah, he was fantastic. Look, the first team I supported was the Sharks, and it was because of VT. And I only ever wanted to play wing growing up because of VT. Um, I, I just, I just thought he was the best. I thought he was fantastic, and um, had such a a really good long career. Like I think these days, if if ET had to come around these days with all of the advancements in like treating players and looking after them and stuff. He would definitely have. He would have probably played four hundred and fifty games. He could have done. I mean, he was. I think he came into the into first grade at seventeen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just phenomenal player. And belonged. Um, and belonged as a seventeen yeah. year old. That's the thing. He developed. He 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 managed to change his game as he got older. So he he became a much smarter and better defender as well as he got older. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. Fantastic player. Um. The other centre was Brad Fittler, who was only 17. Uh, God, this kid, he pretty much did everything a player could possibly do before he even turned 20. He played for Australia. He played his origin and won. Won a national yeah. series, won a, won a uh, state of origin series, won a grand final. Um, he could have retired at, at the age of 20 and said, I've done everything. I don't need to play anymore. Yeah, but, and... Oh. And that step, like that step was like a bomb going off. When he put yeah. that on, he, he just, you were gone. Yeah, it was Benji Marshall 2004. Yeah. That's what it was, because that step, I know I've mentioned it before and I'll say it again, he's the only player I've seen who could put on a step that big and actually use it to propel him to go faster. 
And yeah. that's what made him hard, is his step was bad enough for a defender. But the fact that he, he used it to go faster off it means that even if you saw it coming, by the time you turn around to tackle him, it was already too late. Yeah, and something else that people don't talk about too much with Fittler, he's a big dude. Yeah. Like, he's not a small player. Like, he's he, he legitimately played lock for years, and it wasn't a problem. Like, just a big dude, and someone that big putting a step on and having that sort of footwork, and then you add in, like, his ball-playing skills, and then you add in his kicking skills, and then you add in his leadership ability, and then you add in, like, you know, by the time he was, like, 25, he had all of the experience in the, in the world. He'd done everything, as I said. You know, yeah. he did everything when he was a teenager. Yeah, it's just phenomenal athlete and deserves to be in talk for an immortal. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, you know what? I wonder when it will start to happen. I guess it will probably start to happen when his state of origin coaching career is finished. And I wouldn't be shocked, shocked if he sort of ended up coaching Australia for a, lo- a lot of years as well. Um, Especially if um, Mal decides to coach the Titans. Yeah, which I hope that Mal doesn't <laughs> do that, eh? <laughs> he deserves better than that. Um, but, yeah, just a phenomenal player. Obviously, being a Panthers boy, you know, a special place in my heart. And, yeah, I, I love Brad Filler. Yeah, he's a brilliant player. Uh, on the wing, uh, Michael Hancock. Uh, he was only 19. He'd played 39 games for the Broncos at this stage, but had already played three Origins and three Tests. Um, yeah, crazy first, to think about, eh? Yeah, and the first of those wingers who were... They weren't picked for their speed, though. He was picked for his power. Mm. Uh, and and, and the, the fight that he'd show in tackles, <sighs> too, like... I can't remember a winger ever having that before him. I'm sure there were some. I mean, I guess you think of um, Eric Groth in in a similar, like it was about the power, you know what I mean? That's right. Groth had just had that mad bump, Mm. and you just couldn't get near him. Hancock did have a good step. He did have good speed, but as he got older and he lost a bit of that, um, his power game got even better, Mm. and he just got so hard to tackle. Yeah, just rotten to tackle, eh? That yeah. was the thing about him, and it's, uh, you know, some of the other players that we've thought about, and then you looked at what Hancock had already achieved, and it was just undeniable you had to pick him with 1990 glasses on. Um, just And he had such a good long career. It's interesting. I wonder um, how many younger fans now would remember Michael Hancock or or know about him too much because... Um, you know, in, in the nineties, he was just, he was, as a New South Wales fan, he was a bastard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was it's horrible true. for us to play against. He really was. Especially when we got in that period where the 10 meter rule came in the following year in 1990, mm. um, and ref started to crack down on the ruck a bit in the later nineties. Mm. He's, he's, um, thrashing around on the ground, trying to get a quick play. The ball got so many penalties for his side. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, there's more to his game than that. But it just—it was just a sign of his urgency and how how hard he was just to make to to contain constantly. 
Yeah, just the fight, like the fight in every single tackle. Kind yeah. of like uh, we talked about Brandon Smith earlier. Every single tackle that you went in with Michael Hancock, there was never an easy one to drag him down. No, and dra- well, even when you had dragged him down, the fight still wasn't over because then you had to try and keep him still as you were <laughs> trying to make sure your defenders got back on side for the next play. Yeah, it's hard enough oh. just to get off him. Yeah. Now it's, uh, at 5 8, we had the 19 year old Laurie Daly. He'd played 46 uh, games for the Raiders and two Origins at that stage. Yeah, like a young Laurie Daly. Man, the world at his feet. Um,. You know, he had so much success already, you know, as a youngster and had so much success ahead of him. It's interesting because he played a lot of, like, centre and stuff like that as well, which I think people forget. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like, the 5'8", and, like, at his best, I mean, it was really him and Fittler. It's hard to s- separate them. Fittler probably, um, you would take overall for his career just because he had less injuries and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, Laurie Daly, just fantastic. And even back then, like, one of the top players in the game then. Yeah, he was he was one of those blokes, kind of like Wally Lewis, who could just control a game mm. and could turn it whenever he wanted and had a had a good step on him as well. Mm. Um, good controlling kicking game for, for a 5-8, good running game, brilliant passing game. Yeah. I, I can wax lyrical about Laurie Daly all day, and I, I hate I hate the fact that I can because you know he was in that Raider side that won that grand final in '89. Yeah, oh, man, phenomenal player. He really is. Like it, and just a complete command of the game. Like when when the big games come around, Laurie Daly was one of those players that was always leading. Yeah, and he was he was. You hear a lot of players now get called a complete footballer, and he was just—he's just a genuine footballer. That's what Laurie Daly was. Yeah, that's not what Clint Gutherson is. No, no. <laughs> right. Um, at halfback, we're going to shock everyone again because we've got another pommy here. It's uh, Sean Edwards. Now, mm. this is fascinating because he was 22, and by this stage, he's played over 200 first-grade games across England and Australia, and he's played 15 Tests. He's 22. He'd had a career. Yeah. He'd already, if he retired, you'd say, wow, he achieved a lot in his career. Uh, he came to Balmain in 89 and was part of their team that made it to the grand final. Mm-hmm. Um, one of one of England and Great Britain's best ever sevens. Yeah, and I think he might be the highest achiever in terms of uh, winners' medals ever over there. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, and it's just undeniable. When you look at all the other players that we had to choose from, we had like Langer, um, Stewart, players like that. When you look at their resumes in 1990 compared to Edwards, it, it like, and they'd done some great things, man. Mm. It wasn't even close. It wasn't no, even he, close. He blitzed a lot. And this is at a time when England were still seen as the premier competition in the world, you know, that mid to late 80s, mm, yeah. club competition-wise. Um, uh, yeah, phenomenal player. Magnificent grasp of the game and great reader of play and had a phenomenal kicking game. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad that Great Britain doesn't produce players like that anymore, really. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I can speak highly about Sean Edwards all day long. Um, 
uh, at, at prop, we've got Glenn Lazarus, 23 years old. Um, he'd only played 50 club games by then and one Origin game, but his career really kicked off at the tail end of 89 going into 1990. Um, and then he just became a, a staple in the Origin and Test sides for nearly a decade afterwards. Yeah, and, and basically was... I mean, set the set the groundwork for the modern day forward, really the modern day front rower. Um, I consider him to be one of, if not the best front rower of all time. Uh, a big, big dude, big motor, very mobile for somebody his size as well. And there's, you know, he he went on to be a premiership winner at three different clubs, which I don't think had ever been done before from memory. Um, fantastic player, and there's a reason he was a foundation of so many premiership winning teams. Yeah, um, geez, he because of his frame, just like the uh, the other prop in this side, which we'll get to soon, had such a wide set of shoulders on him, made it mm. hard to wrap the ball up on him. Yeah. So his his offload was a killer. Mm. And when you had that Canberra side, he was a part of, and later on that Broncos side, with so many great support players in there. He just became a massive part, you know, massive focal point of their attack. Yeah, and it, like just a foundation block of everything. Like it, it was, uh, and even when you look at like New South Wales and Australia, he really was phenomenal. And as, as I said, just one of the best forwards of all time. And it's incredible to think, I mean, how much talent we've already talked about in this team. It's crazy. Yeah. We're just getting into the forwards. Okay, at hooker, Kerrod Walters, only 21. Um, played 28 games for the Broncos. I think he played pre- probably around 20 or 30-odd games in the Brisbane Comp as well before that. Mm-hmm. Um, three origins and three tests at this stage. Yeah, I think the the funny thing about Kerrod Walters is that early on, like if if you had have looked at the all of the brothers at about, like, say, 1992-93, we're back in 89 at this stage. You would have said he was going to be the most successful of all of them. Like, he was just so good. He played at so much rep footy, and it was really, he was the one that was really the trailblazer for all of the, the Walters family. Um, really fantastic player. Probably should have done a lot more in his career. I, I don't know why he didn't end up doing more in his career. I'm not really sure if something happened to him or what, or his focus just changed or something, but... Uh, yeah, just a great player. He he ended up having to compete for Test Honours with a resurgent Benny Elias, and then the emergence of uh, Steve Walters because Steve kicked on after that uh, that Raiders Premiership win in '89, mm. and just became the best the best hooker in the '90s by yeah. far. Yeah, and <clears throat> like, uh, what are the odds of that? <laughs> like, yeah, that, and we've talked about this that. Um, the best hookers in the game, it's almost like complete eras of the sport. You know, they they sort of dominate for 10 years or so. And what's, what are the odds that your brother is the one that just overtakes you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that must have almost been, uh, you, you'd have been torn on that. You'd have been both happy and pissed off at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> now, the other prop um, is another English player. Mm-hmm. Shows you just how strong the English comp was. And it's Kelvin yeah. Skerritt. And a lot of people in Australia, especially those listening to this, may not know who he was. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I urge you to go into Google pictures and find a picture of him because you'll see just how wide his shoulders were. Mm. Um, this bloke was a wrecking ball. Yeah, see, I don't know much about him myself. Hey? Oh, big, big, wide man. He wasn't big, fat. He was, he was like Lazarus, just wide. Yeah, yeah, just a big, big human frame. being. Um, always took two to three defenders to get him down, and mm. um, because he was playing a lot of his career, especially early on in that five-meter rule period there. Mm-hmm. Usually the prop forwards, their job was to try and just to, just attract two defenders, really. That was their job. Yeah. But he was so wide and such a hard runner that he always got three in there and he still had the ability to get a ball away, mm-hmm. which meant he was just, like Lazarus, just creating opportunities everywhere just with his offload alone because he'd get the defenders in, get the ball away. You know, everyone else can make hay with, with what's left over. Um, so by then, he'd probably played at least 130-odd games. Um, he'd already played three tests as well. Wow, those English competitions, man, they were chewing out games, weren't they? Yeah, they had about 70 games a year. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the second row, we've got Paul Harrigan, who was only 20, and it was his first season. He played 14 games for the Knights that year. Um, oh, yeah. But... He had he actually had a little bit of a growth spurt, I think, around that time because he got quite a bit bigger pretty quick and ended up becoming a prop. Um and a damn bloody good one. I'd love to know if back in his his early season, if he uh had the shoulder pads back then. I feel like he would have. Guaranteed. And, uh, it, it was funny because the, the Knights come into the comp in eighty eight and it was a it took him a couple of years, but then they just grew this it was like a pack that just grew at the same time. And when you look back at them, and, and they most of them were still around when they won the premiership in 97, mm. um, they all just sort of grew up together. And I, I always remember in the, the early 90s and mid-90s that Newcastle was never an easy team to play because of their forwards. It wasn't a bit... With the, the Knights, it wasn't about, like, oh, they play this expensive game or anything. It wasn't about that. It was about their forwards. You know, they kept you honest. You, if you didn't turn up, the Knights would beat you just because of those blokes. And Harrigan was obviously part of that. And, you know, he probably was the most successful of the lot of them by the end of his career. But, you know, uh, he was straight to New South Wales and, and eventually went on to the Australian team. Um, fantastic player, big dude. Once again, very mobile, different build to Lazarus and that. But... um yeah, fantastic player. Ultra consistent. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. You hear people talk about the difference between Cameron Smith's good game and bad game is very little. Mm. I'd almost argue that the difference in a good game and a bad game by Harrigan was probably less. Mm. Um, God damn, he was just so reliable. You just got the same brilliant performance from him no matter what game he was playing in, no matter what week it was. Um, yeah, brilliant player. Uh, the other back rower, mm-hmm. Mark Geyer, 21 years old, played 59 games for Penrith at that stage and one Origin game. Um, unbelievable player. Like maybe the biggest player in this whole side we've named. Um, incredible footwork, incredible size, it, like incredible ball handling skills as well. Yeah, but, he, had, like, he had a good passing game left and right which yeah. was very rare for a, for a back rower um, and aggressive. 
And not not in a way that people are going to think. People are going to think aggressive and think, oh, that's that 91 origin thing. No, no, he was aggressive in the sense that every run was hard. Every tackle yeah. was hard. To the point where players would avoid uh, running at him and players would want to defend on the other side to him. Because yeah, he's, just, he's just raw-boned. And as a young player, intimidating. Yeah. Like as a youngster. Yeah, it's he crazy. Was, he was a beast. Yeah, he really was, to, and should have played. Of... Should have played so much more for New South Wales. I mean, he should be one of New South Wales' most capped forwards. Um, should have played so much more Test footy. Uh, was obvi- is obviously a Penrith Panthers legend. Um, you know, can't speak highly en- enough about him. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, I'm just trying to think of someone who'd be similar to him in the modern game. I just it's yeah, hard um, hard to sort of place someone. I yeah, I can't think of anyone, eh? Um the, the closest I could probably get would be as far as skill wise goes, it'd be Luke Lewis. Um, as far as ball running goes, because this is a you'd have to build him out of a few different players. That, yeah, that that's the thing, yeah, because like you you're looking for I mean just you know who do you pick for aggression like his ball and the thing was too he was so much bigger than everyone else at the time as well like Mark guys and I've said this before on the podcast it, there's a lot of players that you go back say thirty years if you put those players in the modern day game you'd be like oh my goodness he's he's way too small to play Mark guy was would be like there'd be a lot of players now that'd be like Fuck, he's massive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you you have to throw that in there too. That he was so much bigger that like a lot of his ball playing, he would have been doing over the top of players. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, brilliant player. Um, at lock, this is and this is a lock. Bradley Clyde. Mm. Uh, he was only nineteen, but had already played forty five games, two Origins, and two Tests. Oh, sorry, three Tests. And really, to ended up being one of the the greatest locks of all time, lock forwards of all time. Uh, once again, another play with a lot of skill, um, a, a winner, an out and out winner. Um, fantastic player. It's a, incredible to think of a young Bradley Clyde. Hey, I mean, there's another one of these players. It's like you've got the world at your feet, and he really he went on to achieve so much as a player. It's fantastic to to think about like. You know, Canberra was so lucky to have him because he was a real foundation of everything they did. Like, there's a lot of other players that get a lot more of their limelight, but he was so consistent and so good. And one of those players that opposition players would always talk about. Um, fantastic player. Yeah. And you look at the the players who played for Australia before him in the same position, like there was Ray Price, and he handed over the role to Wayne Pearce. And at 19 years of age, he unseated Wayne Pearce. And Wayne Pearce wasn't old at that stage. He was still in his late 20s. Mm. And he took the test gig and the origin gig off Wayne Pearce at 19. Um, yeah, and just it was a foundation of the test team. Yeah. Uh, ultimate professional. Uh, he really you know, was. Wayne Pierce started that whole professionalism thing and all that training and diet stuff and whatnot else. Um, Clyde just had that from the get go as a teenager, 
and just yeah. maintained it. And I think he'd probably be another one of those players that younger people wouldn't know a great deal about. And it'd be hard to explain to them why he was so good, why he was like, it didn't matter what game it was. It didn't matter if his team won or lost. He was always one of the top players on the field every single game. Yep. Fully agree. Um, on the bench, we've got Ricky Stewart. Now, this, mm. I think, was his first year after switching codes from Rugby Union. So he'd already played a few tests, I think, for the Wallabies at this stage. Mm-hmm. He was 22 and had already played... Um, oh, no, it was his second year. He played 38 games for the Raiders at this stage. Okay. So I think he played for the Wallabies in 87 then. Um, the... Two things that stand out for Ricky Stewart that I haven't seen too many players possess since him is unbelievable long kicking game. Mm-hmm. And his passing game was insane, especially his dummy passes. Yeah, and like as and like elite level at both, like maybe top three of all time at both. And yeah. it's interesting, I was watching a Canberra game today and... Uh, there was a kick that was put in late in the game and it just dribbled over and it just just before it hit the uh the upright not the upright the uh, corner post and that was Ricky Stewart's game like that was he he shut down so many games for the raiders just with his long kicking game and just turning the other team around walking down for the scrum turn them around walking down for a scrum he was so good at that and that become a, a tactic that you you don't even see these days in the game and and I think that a lot of the positional play of wingers that we see now is still influenced by Ricky Stewart's kicking game. Yeah, I mean, this is that's the thing. That's a big point there is prior to Ricky Stewart coming along, your fullback was the only one who dropped back and he'd field all the kicks. Mm. But when Ricky Stewart came along, the fullback wasn't enough to deal with him. Yeah. And so you'd have to start putting one or two defenders back. And as soon as you do that and Ricky Stewart's got the ball, he then brings out his other skill, which is his passing game. And he had one of the most lethal long passes. Um, could throw a long, flat, long pass mm. and not look like he was going to throw one. It just looked like it was going to be a short ball. The the technique, man, his passing game was next level. It really uh, was. And, and a really huge influence on Andrew Johns um, with his kicking and his passing game. And that legacy that we see now with uh, all of the the time that halfbacks spend kicking the ball and, and how they kick it, how they drop it, how they hold it when they drop it, it all comes back to Ricky Stewart. It does. And look, the one the one thing that I was rem- I'm always reminded of with Ricky Stewart is his work in that try in the uh, Test Series in 1990. Mm. He threw an epic dummy. And the English defenders bought it, and he just went into space and ended up setting up a great try for um, Mal Meninga. Um, that dummy was just a sign of the, the the ability he had to sell a pass like no one else. Yeah, and uh, what what a massive moment for such a young player. Yeah, like, and, and that's the thing about a lot of these players in the the high pressure moments, like they it, it was like they were veterans. Which you yeah. don't see often. Uh, career was dogged by broken legs and sore injured knees and stuff like that. But God, mm. he was phenomenal. Yeah, um, he really was. Next bench is Gary Larson. He was twenty-two. He'd only played twenty-five first-grade games at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, just an absolute workhorse. Yeah, 
and once again, super reliable, uh, a staple of the Queensland team for many years. And he, he was part of a North Sydney pack that uh, it wasn't as good as the Newcastle pack, but it was one of those packs that was like, you had to turn up, otherwise they were going to beat you alone. And they were probably let down by a lot of backs and halves that just couldn't get the job done. And Larson was one of, if not their best forward through that whole era in the the mid to to late 90s for North Sydney. Absolutely. Um, sort of in the same mould as, as Paul Surinan, I guess, as a player. Um, just hard to tackle. Just, you know, raw bone player. Um, yeah. You always got 100% out of him every week. Yeah, and the other thing was, he talked like he had emphysema. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, mate, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, next on the bench, we've got Alan Langer. He was 23 in 89. He played 34 games for the Broncos at that stage, nine origins and two tests. Yeah, he was all right. <laughs> yeah, um, like, I mean, what can you say? Like, at this stage... And it was hard to not have him at because we both were like, oh, yeah, Langer at halfback. And we, when you picked, like said, hang on, look at Edwards' record in 1990, you had to go with Edwards at halfback. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Langer, I mean, even at this stage, Langer's a, one of the staples of Australian Rugby League of origin. Um, fantastic player, obviously. He's going to go on to win a lot of premierships, a lot of state of origin games, and you kind of knew that he was he was one of the premier halfbacks that we were going to have going forward at this stage, even. And he was one of the few, one of the first few players to be told he was too small to play. Mm. Uh, Prove well, every think, single one of them wrong. I don't know. I think the jury's still out. <laughs> <laughs> And the last bench spot we've got is a very underrated player, despite being a test player, is Brad Mackay. Yeah. He was a different type of lock forward. So every lock forward up to this point was your sort of Ray Price, Wayne Pierce, Brad Clyde build. They were big, solid sort of blokes. Mm. And Brad Mackay came along, and he was kind of built more like a, a center or a winger. Yeah, but yeah. Man, he was such great ball skills. Um, really good defender. Had a good tackling technique. He didn't go high or anything like that. He didn't pull off big hits, but he just, he always stuck to a tackle. Mm. And the tackle always stopped the defender, from, uh, the attacker from moving forward. Um, and yeah, big motor on him. Would play the full 80 minutes every time, no, no worries. And played for quite a few, quite a few years as well. Yeah. And one of the, another one of those players that just super reliable um, players loved playing with him. The absolutely yeah. loved playing with him. Like some of them even now will say like their favorite teammate mate was uh, Brad McKay. And yeah, it was a staple of that St. George team that were in the early and, and to mid nineties. Uh, that was very, very good. Probably a premiership winning side, if not that for running into some of the best teams that we've seen in the last 30 years. Um, yeah, just a fantastic player, and and once again, a, one of those super professional players as well. Yeah, a phenomenal player. So there they are. Um, the nineteen eighty nine side was twenty point eight years old on average, which was 
six months younger than the uh, than the under twenty four side from twenty nineteen. Yep, yep. But they played probably about two hundred club games more, mm. uh, five Origin games more, and three Test matches more. Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy to when you look at some of the players that we left out of of that side, the nineteen eighty nine side because they had only played a couple of games that went on to become legends, like like out-and-out legends. It makes you wonder who they are now that we've left out of this 2019 team that we just put together. Who are the ones that we don't even know that are legends, Just the, and they're just starting their first-grade careers? You know, it it's so exciting to think about, and Rugby League, one of the beautiful things about it is that just when you know a legend will, will wave goodbye and you know go into the sunset like a Billy Slater, there's always some young kid that's just pulling on his boots and getting ready to run out in first grade that is the next rugby league legend, the next possible immortal. And it's one of rugby league's greatest strengths. Exactly. And this shows too pretty strongly that... Uh... You know, a lot of people talk about the amount of change in the, the players and their ability and skills and stuff like that over the years. And you could almost look at this and go, right, over 30 years, the quality certainly hasn't dropped off. No. But it also shows that the quality wasn't that bad going back 30 years. Yeah, uh, like both of these teams are full of superstars. They're full of players that have achieved already at this young age that we've selected them at. And, yeah, it's funny. I think sometimes people feel as though there are... They they feel as though one era has more stars than the other or that, you know, back in the old days, they weren't all that good. And I think that that when you look at these teams, and these are the players that are just starting their careers in both of these sides that we've we've selected, um, it just shows you, like, you never know what's around the corner, hey? That's right. you just you never know where a player is going to end up, and it makes me wonder. Like, what's Latrell Mitchell? What are we going to be talking about Latrell Mitchell when he's thirty-four? You know, what will we be saying about Brandon Smith, or you know, what about Payne Haas in ten years when he's twenty-nine? You know, it, yeah. it's it beggars belief, and, and you just you just don't know. And it's it's so exciting to see young players develop and then when you see they get their feet under them in first grade and then you see them start to to to, to like dominate first graders and then they start dominating like state of origin it's oh it's so much fun to watch absolutely so um quick question yep who'd win this game the 89 side or the 2019 side oh man it's a very difficult one. I look. I think there's a bias towards saying the '89 side, right? Because I think it's hard to think of those players without thinking, without getting those glimpses of the absolute best that they showed you. Mm. Um, so I, it's hard to fight against that bias. I would say that the 2019 side stands shoulder to shoulder with them. Um. I think that the potential that they have is absolutely phenomenal and they could all go on to do incredible things. I think that some of the things that stand out for the 89 team, I, I think someone like a an Offia who 
in the when you look at rugby league records all time across the entire world, he's one of those like you know Don Bradman style statistics that are there that you kind of think it must be a typo. Yeah, and, and I think that that's one thing that stands out for that eighty nine team. Um, Sean, look, Sean Edwards is the same in many respects. Um, and I think that that's maybe something that's missing from the, the 2019 team. And that's not for, through any fault of their the players. I think it's just the circumstances of the day. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably... Because the hard part here is you're obviously going to go on with, with hindsight for that in night time because you know what they went on to achieve. Mm. That's part of the reason behind who got picked as well, I guess. Um, but yeah, on paper, I think... I'd have to say that the 89 side had um, the better halves, even in 89. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to argue that given that Edwards had played 15 tests and yeah. over 200 first grade games at the age of 22, mm-hmm. and Nathan Cleary's played 70 games and five origins. It's not, yeah. it's not a fair matchup. Um, the other thing the other is one... the depth as well, like uh, Langer and Stewart. Yeah. A, a, you know, the next in line. And and there's just, that's not there for this 2019 team. That's right. Um, so, yeah, it, it's hard to pick, though, because, yeah, so many things to look at and so many variables and stuff. But, yeah, there's a bit of favouritism, obviously, to the, to the 89 side, but it would be damn tight. I also feel as though that 89 side... It's almost and and look they they're all very similar in age it's a, it's like under like 20 it's 23 and under team um but it feels like it's a cross section of eras in rugby league in terms of um Ophia, it, like I mean there's players there that were the stars of the late 80s but yeah. then You've also got someone like a Brad Fittler who, and, and even Langer who were playing into the 2000s. And I, I feel as though it was a cross-section in time in rugby league. And, and maybe we kind of, I mean, we kind of went back 30 years and we kind of stumbled into that by accident almost that we picked this one era. I don't think you could pick too many. Like, I think if you went back another 30 years, I don't think you would get the same sort of, um, you know, estuary between eras that I think this 89 team is. Uh, they, were, they were definitely a, a very special time because you also had players who were, um, they also had to learn the difference between the, the five metre rule and the 10 metre rule because that came in the following year. Yeah. Um, the interchange rule was constantly changing, so the forwards were different then. They didn't get to have... Um, as many breaks. Like yeah. if you if you went off back in 89 as a forward, you didn't come back onto the field. And there yeah. was only two substitutes allowed um, for most of the 80s. I think by 89 it got to four maximum. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, the coach very rarely wanted to take players off the field unless he really had to. So players like Lazarus would often play 80 minutes, which is insane for a big man. Yeah, proper big man too. Like, I mean, he's another one of those players. Bring him into today's game and he wouldn't be out of place. That's right. So it's interesting to see how that would impact it. I mean, obviously the fitness of the modern player is 
miles ahead of those from the 80s as well. So mm-hmm. that's another factor to throw in there. So, yeah, it's hard to pick between the two. But I think, yeah, rose-coloured glasses suggest that the 89 team would get up. And I think that the the last thing to keep in mind is that, and and I know you will agree with me on this, all the best things were made in the 80s. All of them. The very best things come out of the 80s. Fully agree. Fully agree. <laughs> that's, that's not up for debate at all. Unquestionable. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a stunning note to leave it on. The yeah, 80s yeah. produced everything brilliant. Yeah, and never bettered. Never bettered, no. The best experts, best commentators, best best statisticians, best podcast producers, hey? Yeah, best uh, SEO experts. Yep, yep. Best super gurus. Are just all there. Best best authors and, and historians. They're all the best opinion writers. Yep, definitely. Uh, what else? That pretty much covers it, eh? Best are social media influencers. <laughs> yeah, influencers. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Basically, we're so damn good. Yeah. That's that's what the lead-up to this whole podcast was. We were like, what can we end with us saying how good we are? Oh, let's talk a little bit of footy. <laughs> Yeah, and then end it with bragging. Yeah. <laughs> we are just fantastic. <laughs> You're so privileged to be listening to us right now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right, well, that wraps up an, a magnificent episode. Um, yeah, I love one. Yeah. By all means, people, um, leave some comments on the episodes and tell us what you think. That, that's the whole idea of this thing. Get, in, get involved, get interactive. You can... Uh, Respond to the the tweets that uh, you know mentions the episode when it's live. Yeah, and oh. tell us your favourite players too of the two teams. Like maybe a, a one of your favourite plays from the eighty nine team and one of your favourite ones from the two thousand and nineteen team. Um, would love to hear opinions on that. It'll be fantastic to hear what you've got to say. Absolutely. Um, and also, you can comment on the uh, the episode when it goes up on YouTube. Get in there and watch it on there, and uh, yeah, leave some comments in there. We'll ha- we'll have a chat with you too on there. Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter, the Fergo Freak Pod. Um, obviously, it's at League Freak and at Andrew RP. We're always up for a chat, so get in there and get involved, and you know, good comments and stuff like that, or even any old conversation. We might even mention on the next either podcast or live show. So don't be afraid. Get in there. Yeah, hook in. Yeah, be involved, and also. Follow at the starting block, drop the K on Twitter, because they are our brothers. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> are. I dare say, too, they're also from the 1980s. Pro- no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. They have to be. With that much quality? I mean, you yeah. only see that quality from the 80s. They are magnificent people. Really if, are. if you haven't got years around them yet, you need to. Mm, definitely. We highly recommend them. And then higher still. <laughs> They're on another echelon. Yeah. They are. Alrighty, people. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you again next time. <laughs>